Welcome to this week's Investors Chronicle Personal Finance Podcast. I'm Lenora Walters, and joining me today is Peter Walls, manager of Unicorn Master Trust, a fund of investment trusts. It's been a strong year for Investment Trust Initial Public Offerings, or IPOs for short, with 15 by the end of October amounting to $2.61 billion, and so far this month another two. But a key differentiator between what has been coming to market this year and many of the issues of the past decade is that a number of launches have a focus on growth and invest in equities rather than investing in high-yielding alternative assets. Peter, for years, investment trust launches have been dominated by funds which invest in unusual assets and offer high yields. So why the sudden change? Well, actually, I don't think uh, the trends of recent years have changed, particularly as we've seen you know, further issuance of uh, interesting uh, trusts in the alternative space from music streaming to energy storage funds plus a fintech specialist uh, and an activist fund that intends to make a single investment. So, um, you know, I think that demand for the alternatives continues. Uh, um, And meanwhile, there's been plenty of secondary issuance, uh, primarily by higher higher income producing trusts in areas such as property, infrastructure and and renewable energy. Encouragingly, a growing number of conventional uh, equity trusts have also been successful in raising further capital, uh, led most notably, I think, by Scottish Mortgage Trust, which actually expanded by almost 300 million in the first nine months of the year. Um, I'm not sure if there's been a sudden change in attitudes to conventional equity new issues. Uh, although until recently average discounts were quite narrow uh, and many trusts traded at or above net, net asset value. So overall sentiment was, was quite supportive. Um, as ever, launching uh, an equity trust without the promise of an attractive uh, dividend can be tricky, uh, especially if, mar- if markets take a turn for the worse. Um, so the fact that we've seen quite a few more launches recently um, could just be a flash in the pan. Okay. Now, what would be an example of one of these um, more conventional equity trusts? Uh, Well, uh, the Smithson Investment Trust was actually the largest ever uh, issue, uh, raising £822 Smithson Smithson invests globally in small and uh, mid-capitalisation companies. Uh, And the trust, I think, is a, a logical and pragmatic extension to the large cap process employed uh, by the open-ended Fundsmith Equity Fund, uh, which is simply too big to invest in relatively smaller companies. I say relatively here because the average size of the companies in the new trust is uh, more than £7 billion. Um, It's logical, I think, because the the companies that have outperformed the strong track record of the open-ended fund are most commonly uh, small and mid-cap businesses. And um, Pragmatic because I think the closed-end structure of an investment company will facilitate better liquidity and portfolio management for the new trust. Smithson, as you said, was incredibly successful in its fundraising, but have all the conventional equity investment trust launches been popular? Um, Most of the other recent launches haven't actually raised the maximum targets they set out to, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they were not popular. Uh, Mobius raised 100 million. They were looking for 200 million. Uh, but that was against a backdrop of uncertain emerging markets. 
And um, Baylor Gifford US Growth raised an initial 173 million, but has subsequently issued additional shares worth 46 million, which implies to me that there's ongoing popularity um, in, in, in this area. Have you invested Unicorn Master Trust in any of these launches? Yes, I supported the Smithson launch uh, and also AVI Japan Opportunity Trust. Um, much has been written on the Smithson Trust, so I don't really intend to, to repeat the story here. But essentially, I do believe in the smaller companies' effect, uh, both in the UK and international markets, and have a long-term structural bias to the area. AVI Japan's managers believe there are extraordinary uh, undervaluations in a range of cash-rich, overcapitalized Japanese smaller companies. Um, they anticipate that uh, corporate governance reform and shareholder activism will help to unlock this value. We're seeing greater number of, uh, of non-executive directors uh, appointed to Japanese companies, and there's a much greater focus on return on equity. So if you look at their initial portfolio, it's estimated to have more than 70% of the market capitalizations of the underlying companies uh, covered by net cash and investment securities uh, in in, uh, businesses that aren't particularly relevant to their underlying businesses. Uh, What I liked about this issue was that if things don't go according to plan, investors have the opportunity to get their money back at net asset value in four years' time. Yeah. Now, um, you you mentioned the possibility of things, you know, not going great, which I suppose is, um, you know, an issue when you you buy um, a new fund. So would you say generally, is it a good idea to invest in an investment trust, an IPO? Well, I I think you need to be very selective. Um, I think in the last decade, uh, including these two recent uh, issues that I've supported, I've only made five uh, investments in investment trust IPOs. Um, I would caveat that by saying that um, a lot of the alternative um, funds haven't particularly appealed to me uh, because I don't have an overriding requirement for income. Uh, I'm looking for total return and it's a capital growth policy that I'm, I'm following. Um, and in some cases, you know, there may well be a, a quite a significant J-curve effect where it may take, take time for the initial investments to be made uh, and, uh, and even more time for them to, to come to fruition. So there might be better times to buy uh, some of these strategies. We've been talking about equity launches this year and describing them as conventional, but how conventional are these equity trusts which have come to market? Well, I think if you're talking um, in terms of conventional in the, in the sense of um, some of the global funds like Foreign and Colonial or WITAN or Alliance Trust, um, then, then clearly these are, these are uh, more specialised. And I think it's unlikely that we'll see many true plain vanilla issues, uh, as the real benefits of the investment structure are to be able to invest in specialist areas uh, which may be illiquid. Uh, And I think uh, all of these funds play to the strengths, but clearly one has to have a diversified portfolio before considering some of the more specialist uh, offerings uh, that are coming to market. Mm. I mean, just taking um, as an example, Bailey Gifford's US fund, which launched this year, is considered to be a 
conventional U.S. equity fund, but in fact can actually invest 50% of its assets in quoted. And even Avi Japan, um, it, um, it's focusing on uh, smaller companies in Japan, kind of special situations, um, going to have quite concentrated portfolios. So they're not quite your average equity fund. Um, does this mean that trusts like this are maybe higher risk? And you know, what do investors need to consider before putting their money into, let's say, an equity fund that's maybe not quite your average equity fund? Well, I, you know, clearly, um, the greater the specialisation, the, the, the higher the risk. Um, and, and really, one has to consider the, the overall exposure of one's portfolio um, in terms of diversification, both by industry and by geographical area. Um, and really, you know, these specialist funds should, should constitute a much smaller part of the, one's overall portfolio. OK. Now... I suppose one of the one one of the themes is um, building up an allocation to unquoted investments. There's existing trusts that do that. Some of the new launches have done that. Do you think that more investment trusts in mainstream equity sectors are going to start to build up an allocation to um, unlisted companies? I think there'll certainly be a temptation to do so. I feel that the ever increasing grip of, of passive uh, funds. Um, will encourage some large active managers to, to consider moving more into this area. But I think one should um, consider this with, with a, 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 a great deal of um, forethought. Um, perhaps most famously in, in the world of investment uh, companies, um, and we saw it quite recently in their interim results, Scottish Mortgage has been very successful uh, in its um, investments in what, what, what are, tend to be unicorn-type businesses. Um, and in fact, the performance of their unlisted um, has been better than the stellar performance of their listed portfolios. But one has to remember that Bailey Gifford have been looking at this area for many, many years now and have built up a lot of expertise. Um, I don't think it's it's the sort of thing that, that uh, um, every active manager should be, be looking at. But my cynical side suggests that uh, uh, that threat of, uh, of the passives will encourage more and more to try and differentiate themselves um, from, from the listed markets. You know, these, these unicorn companies, you know, are very exciting. They're fast approaching 300 of start, 300 startup uh, companies valued at more than a billion pounds. So it's a, it's a big market, uh, with a, a total value of, uh, 900 billion now. You know, clearly there's been an awful lot of, um, excitement there. Um, I sort of feel that against a backdrop of slowing global growth over the next couple of years and the move from quantitative easing to quantitative tightening, um, that there might be better times to to, to look at these areas. So I'd certainly be cautious about um, a wholesale switch and and move of of many uh, investment companies going into this area. Okay, thank you, Peter. Some really useful points. In this week's issue of Investors Chronicle, our annual investment trust special issue, we asked four managers of funds of investment trusts, including Peter, to make some suggestions for growth, income, wealth preservation and diversification. Peter, your suggestion for growth was Bailey Gifford UK Growth Fund. Why did you pick this investment trust? 
Well, um, first of all, the management of this trust has has changed uh, recently. It's moved from Schroeder's, where um, it, 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 it struggled a little bit. It, it had a number of changes of managers, um, and the board decided that um, uh, it was it was um, time to to review the management agreement, uh, and they moved it to, to Bailey Gifford. The new team there is highly regarded. It's got a very good track record in, in managing uh, this sort of process. Um, and at, the, at present, there is a bit of a stock ho- overhang in, in the shares. So they're trading at a, a discount of around about 7%. And that over, overhang comes from the, the, the former Schroeder saving scheme. Um, where uh, investors in the scheme are, are being given the opportunity to either switch into a, a Schroeder's product um, or to, to, to effectively sell their investment. This overhang should be cleared um, early next month. Um, and thereafter, um, I think Bailey Gifford will be, um, be, be quite forthright in promoting this trust as their flagship uh, for UK uh, exposure in the investment trust world. Um, so a good management team, uh, a technical situation which I think uh, will be overcome. Um, and if you look at the ratings of most other Bailey Gifford trusts, you'll probably find that uh, um, a move towards asset value or above uh, will be in prospect in the medium term future. Mm, I mean, this sounds like a really good opportunity. And, and yes, Bailey Gifford does have a good record. But what are the risks of buying into this trust just now? Well, clearly, as the, the name suggests, it is, is a growth-oriented trust. And um, you know, growth has been um, the area which has been favoured most by investors, not only in the UK, but internationally in recent years. Um, so it's a question really of, of, of how much people are willing to pay for that growth. Um, if you look at um, the other side of the equation, which is, which is value-based investing, you'll see that the piece of elastic between value and growth has been stretched and stretched and stretched um, in the good times. Um, and the question is whether uh, there's any uh, pullback on, on, on that, um, that, that differential in ratings. Mm. Now, for income, you suggested Edinburgh Investment Trust, but this has been underperforming the FTSE Allshire Index for around three years. What made you pick this one? Well, I think it really appealed to my contrarian tendencies in many respects. The manager of this this fund, Mark Barnett, has got a a very strong long-term record, but you're absolutely right, it has struggled in recent years. And... um, uh, sort of post the referendum, you know, we have seen um, a pullback uh, on Brexit fears, um, which has affected uh, many parts of his portfolio. So uh, his portfolio, you know, tends to be uh, more focused on the domestic uh, UK economy um, and hasn't benefited as much as, as large capitalisation companies that uh, are, are global in their outlook and receive most of their income from overseas markets, um, where, where the benefit has come from the fall in sterling. Uh, I recently saw a, quite an interesting chart from the managers of, uh, of this trust, which tried to describe the ratings of uh, domestically focused UK companies. Uh, and it really showed that uh, while earnings growth had been quite stable in those companies, 
the actual ratings uh, in in terms of price earnings ratios um, had dropped off to an extent where they were discounting quite a severe recession in the UK market, uh, a recession of the uh, of the severity that um, one might expect or could be forecast uh, through through a No Deal Brexit. Um, and you know, I think um, if you're discounting those sorts of values, that the 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 prospects for a recovery uh, on a, a different outcome would be quite enticing. So, you know, a contrarian idea with a good manager um, that has been out of favour. I think you could accuse me of hedging my bets a little bit by going for a growth fund uh, and for a a, a more value-oriented fund. If you look at the two portfolios, one is very overweight, the areas where the other is uh, very underweight and vice versa. Um, So, uh, you know, again, each of these will have a place in a diversified portfolio, um, but... You know, I, I think the undervaluation uh, of Edinburgh's uh, does look quite attractive for mm. a long-term investor. Yeah, I mean, obviously, this was the argument with UK equities is partly what maybe looks like a uh, you know an undervaluation. But you know, are there any other sort of reasons, perhaps positive reasons, for taking a contrarian view and sticking with or even adding to UK equities? Well, I think so. I mean, you know, as we've seen uh, since the referendum, we've seen outflows from open-ended funds investing in the UK. I think they total about £11 billion now. Uh, And there's, you know, clearly been uh, a move towards overseas assets, which, again, have benefited from the weakness of sterling. I, 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 I really don't get involved in, in, in currency forecasting. Uh, I, I think it's very difficult. I've, I've never really met a, a currency manager that's been consistent in delivering returns. But, you know, it strikes me that, um, you know, sterling has the potential to recover from these levels, although um, equally it has the potential to, to fall further. But it really comes down to, 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 to fundamental valuations. As this money has flowed out of the UK, the UK has been the least um, favoured market by international investors as well. Um, we're, we're at a situation where valuations are starting to look quite attractive. You know, I think in, in those trusts that have that exposure to the domestic facing businesses, um, that, that those valuations now start to look quite attractive. You know, I've been adding to positions in trusts like Aberforth Smaller Companies, which is a traditional uh, dyed-in-the-wool value investor, um, which, you know, has um, been held back in many respects by Brexit concerns. If you look at the valuations of their their portfolio, if you look at it in terms of enterprise value uh, to, to, to earnings, um, you'll find that its discount uh, to growth uh, growth type companies is is probably at an extreme level, uh, probably at levels we haven't seen uh, really since the run up to the uh, TMT uh, crisis in 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 2000. Uh, and again, I think that that fundamental value is uh, something that that attracts me as a contrarian and uh, will serve investors well over the next five years. Yes. Now, you mentioned um, Aberforth Small, and obviously its focus is on um, smaller companies. I mean, these have been particularly hard hit by Brexit uncertainty. Do you think they're a good way to 
play these themes in particular or could you know would you argue that in some cases they cheat for a reason um in some cases clearly there are there are i mean we, we we're, we're all um uh, faced with the um uh, the impact of disruptive uh, disruptive businesses impacting on many more areas of the economy than just retail and um uh, 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 and this is going to be an ongoing process. Um, but I'm not altogether sure whether all of these businesses are going to be gobbled up by the new disruptors over time. And I think a lot of these business will be, businesses will be able to adapt to the challenges uh, of the future. So, you know, certainly there are uh, areas where I think um, investors should be focusing for the future. There's good value out there. Yeah. Now, you mentioned Aberforth smaller companies. Are there any other uh, UK smaller companies, um, trusts that you think are a good option for trying to capture these opportunities? Well, I, well strangely enough, uh, discount ratings in, in, uh, among smaller companies, trusts, uh, uh, have narrowed in quite a bit in, in, in recent times. Um, you know, there are some very experienced and, 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 and very successful fund managers at large in, in the smaller companies space. Um, Neil Herman at uh, Henderson Smaller Companies, uh, the various management teams at BlackRock with BlackRock Smaller Companies and, and BlackRock Throgmorton Trust, um, in addition to the more value-oriented uh, fund managers like uh, Aberforth. Yeah, and is there any particular reason why the discounts have come in at a time when the asset class is um, not so popular? Well, you say not so popular. The performance has actually been quite good. The performance delivered by uh, many of these smaller companies' trust, despite the Brexit concerns, has actually been rather strong. Okay. Thank you, Peter. Some really interesting ideas. And see this week's magazine of a website for more analysis on UK smaller companies' investment trusts. That brings us to the end of today's show, but see this week's Investment Trust special issue of Investors Chronicle or the website for professional investor suggestions, a roundup of the most highly rated trusts and an update on our Investment Trust income portfolios. Also, don't forget to enter our competition to win £5,000 to invest in the trust of your choice. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.